Hebrews 11 this morning. Hebrews 11 and verse 30. Hebrews 11 and verse 30. Just one verse that we're going to look at, but it is a mighty verse. Uh, Verse 30 reads, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And a huge military victory was won, uh, not by strategy, not by power, but by faith. Um, Our God wants us to do things by faith. He wants us to live by faith. And he introduces into our lives all kinds of problems and difficulties that allow us to exercise faith. Somebody said this. They said, uh, we are faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as insoluble problems. Jericho was a great opportunity, brilliantly disguised as an insoluble problem. And it doesn't stop there. It goes on into your lives today. It goes on into our lives today. We have difficulties and problems that are beyond our fixing. They are impossible. And sometimes we as believers decide, well, if it looks impossible, it is impossible. But nothing shall be impossible with God. And we always need to understand that our God is working in situations to show his glory. And when he does that, he's going to make the situation impossible. Gideon's a great example. Uh, Gideon went against 135,000 with 32,000. Those are terrible odds. Right? But do you know what? That God was not happy with the 32,000 going out against 135,000. And in fact, God whittles down Gideon's army till it's just 300. And you know why? Because he says, if I gave them victory with 32,000, they think they did it themselves. So he made the impossible, absolutely impossible, and then he gave them a great victory. So here's the thing. We've got to stop looking at impossibilities as though they're impossible. We've got to stop looking at the situations in in our lives and evaluating them based on the wisdom that we use, that we can see. Because there's another force entirely at work in the situations, and it's God for whom nothing is impossible. Remember, Paul uh, Paul learned that when he was weak, he was strong. In other words, when it was impossible to him, God could do it. See, faith acknowledges our inability. Faith recognizes, I can't. Do you know that God never intended that you could? That God fully intended to bring into your life many things that you couldn't fix. God fully intended to bring into your life problems that were beyond you. Now, we're capable people. We're made in his image, and we've got a lot that we can do. But we're always going to be pushed beyond what we can do. And he's a genius at bringing things into our lives that we just can't fix. He's absolutely incredible at doing it. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how well organized you are. It doesn't matter how bright or intelligent you are. You're going to face things you can't fix. And you can either crumple uh, in a heap of unbelief before those problems, or you can come to the place where you say, you know what? God has a purpose in this. What's he doing? And you start looking to him in faith to see what he's going to do uh, in your situation. See, the first generation of the Israelites uh, came to this same place. They came into the land of Canaan. Uh, They came uh, to the place where they were ready to go into it. And they sent out the 12 spies, and the 12 spies went and spied out the land. Ten of them came back uh, with a terrible report. Basically, they said, 
We were as grasshoppers in their eyes. There's no way we can take this place. If we go in there, we're all going to die. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, said, that's not true. If God delights in us, and he does, then he will certainly give us the land. Let's go in. But they wouldn't go in, and God took them, and for 40 years they wandered around in the uh, wilderness until the whole generation died. And now there's a new generation going into the land. But God doesn't make it any easier. God doesn't make it... He still makes it impossible. The new generation, what they have now is they have an ability to trust God by faith that the first generation didn't have. And they're going to trust him. <clears throat> the problem is just as impossible. There's going to be no assaulting the walls, no siege, but faith would triumph. Trusting God would triumph. You see, faith does not oppose Satan's devices with human devices. Let me say that again to you. Faith does not oppose Satan's devices with human devices. When Satan puts up a roadblock before you, you don't tackle that roadblock with human devices. You're always going to fail if you do. And I think the church and the people of God very often are defeated because what we're doing is we're fighting satanic opposition with human devices. It'll never work. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, there are walls of satanic opposition in your life that you need to identify, and by faith they need to be pulled down. Has God called you to do something? Has God given you a vision for something he wants to accomplish in and through your life? Has God set something before you that you know this is what God wants you to do? But right now you're sitting at the bottom of the wall and you're looking at the wall and you're thinking it's impossible. There's no way. That wall is too high. It's too strong. I could never get over it. And even if I did, they'd kill me on the other side. And you're sitting there in a puddle of unbelief. Listen, the fact that you can't is no indication of what God can do. If God has called you to do something, then he's always going to enable you to do it. And we need to rise up in faith and take down the walls that the enemy puts in front of us. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll <clears throat> look at our uh, message. Father, would you bless us? Because, Lord, we desperately need it today. Uh, Lord, we freely confess that we are a weak people, Lord, and uh, Lord, oftentimes weakest in faith. And Lord, we, we need you to stir us today, to build faith in us, to put us in that place where we can trust you. Lord, there are things that you want to accomplish through this people, through this church, and Lord, we ask you, Lord, would you, would you step in and would you help us today uh, that we might see you do great things in our midst. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, first of all, they had an impossible task. Absolutely impossible. There's, there's no way they could do this thing, right? Uh, uh, they were facing Jericho. Now, Jericho was a very strategic city. It was the city, really, that was the entrance for them. But strategically, it would have been the entrance, and it was uh, to, to the land of Canaan, that if you wanted to take the land of Canaan, you had to take Jericho. You couldn't avoid it. You, you, you couldn't miss it. Uh, you, you had to take Jericho. I, it was a city that was uh, full of pagan unbelief. 
You see, God wasn't sending Israel into uh, Canaan to take the land of Canaan because they were a good people. No, on the contrary, they were a wicked people and growing more wicked. And God wanted the the issue dealt with from his perspective. And he wanted uh, Jericho and the paganism in Jericho uh, dealt with. And it was a city that was humanly impossible to take. Let me just give you some of the uh, facts and figures about it. The Mount of Tel of Jericho was surrounded by a great earthen rampart, rampart or embankment with a stone-retaining wall at its base. The retaining wall was some 12 to 15 feet high. On top of that was a mud-brick wall, 6 feet thick and about 20 to 26 feet high. At the crest of the embankment was a similar mud-brick wall, whose base was roughly 46 feet above the ground level outside the retaining wall. This is what loomed high above the Israelites as they marched around the city each day uh, for seven days. Humanly speaking, it was impossible for the Israelites to penetrate the impregnable impregnable bastion of Jericho. Now let me just just, uh, give you some idea of it. You see the front wall of our church, not the wall here, but the wall on the outside, up up, up to the second story, up to the gutters on the front. That's about 20 feet from the ground, right? So the first wall uh, that they were facing was somewhere around 40 feet from the ground. Okay, so they had to get over a 40-foot wall, right, all around the city. Now, not only did they have to get over this 40-foot wall, but when they got over this 40-foot wall, they had to climb an embankment um, that was 46 feet higher, So they had to climb up this embankment. Now, uh, they have enemy on the first wall, stopping them from coming in. So they're going to get decimated going through there. But even if they get over this 40-foot wall, now they're going to be in a canyon almost, between two walls, and they have to climb up 46 feet along that. And when they get there, then, they have another 26-foot wall that they've got to get over with the enemy raining down everything they have on them all the time. It's totally impossible. There's no way to do this. Now, this is a problem for them because this is the first stage in their great campaign to take the land of Canaan. They've got to do this. You know, the normal way to do it would be to uh, actually set up a siege. The problem with the siege for them was this was just the end of harvest time. Uh, Jericho was well set at this point. They had plenty of food in. They knew the Israelites were out there. They could have lasted a long, long time. And the problem with the siege is that, you know, when you put a city under siege and you stop anybody from going in or coming out from the city to bring them in food, you have to stay there for as long as it takes. And either the city's going to break or you're going to break, but something's got to give in in the end. And um, a siege was a, was a dreadfully long business. It was going to just be uh, an impossibility for them. So they're faced with an impossibility. God does that, doesn't he? God faces you with things that are absolutely impossible. Things that you can't do. Things, things that from your perspective, just there's no way to actually do. What are the impossibilities that are facing you? today. What are the things that you know God would have you to do but it's impossible? Maybe in a relationship. Maybe in your work situation. Maybe in ministry. God's given you something to do but it's impossible. There's no way to do it. Now, Israel could have done what the first generation did at this stage and said it's impossible. They could have walked away from it. And you know what? If they had walked away from it, they wouldn't have gotten it. 
One of the things about God is he's amazingly patient. The first generation went to take it, they wouldn't take it, so they went out and for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness until they all died. God could have done that again. They had it ringing in their ears that their parents shouldn't have refused to go in, and they needed to go in, but how? It's impossible. There's no way to do it. You know, something for us as a church that's impossible is revival, isn't it? It's impossible. That revival is that outpouring of the Spirit of God that, first of all, sets fire to the church, and then it sets fire to everything around the church, and people get drawn in and people get saved. And we want revival. We long for revival. We, we, we read in our history books about revival. Revival is the changed and transformed whole nations. We read about it, but it's a nice idea, and it worked in the old days, but not now. And it's so easy for the church to come to the place where it, we substitute activity for presence. We substitute what we can do. Well, there's not much happening, so we're going to do something, and we're going to uh, make something happen, make what we can happen. And, you know, <clears throat> that's never going to be it. Tozer said this. Uh, he said, Busyness, if it is to be relevant to God's purposes, must emerge out of the presence of God. First be with God, dwell in Christ, then as Christ instructs, do. The church is to be a movement that is presence-driven rather than a mass of program busyness that leave people too exhausted and time spent to abide in Christ. Joe, God wants for you and I, God wants us to live in Him, to abide in Him, to wait on Him, to look to Him. You see, we're going to see that Israel didn't develop a battle plan of how to bring down these walls. And they couldn't. And they didn't get busy doing what they could in the meantime. You know what they did? They looked to God. They waited on God. So they were facing an impossible task. It was impossible. You know what? Your impossible tasks are only impossible from your perspective. They're not impossible from God's perspective. If God said he wants something done, and he wants you to do it, He is able to enable you to actually do it. But I guarantee you there's going to be a gap between what God wants and what you think is possible. And that gap can only be filled by faith. That gap can only be filled by trusting Him and depending upon Him. So there's an impossible task. Secondly, there's a frustrating test of obedience. In Joshua chapter 6, we're not going to read it for uh, time's sake, but in Joshua chapter 6, God instructed the Jews to do a number of unusual things, none of which had any military value. Right? In other words, uh, what they're, how they're supposed to tackle this wall uh, is not in any sense of the word a military campaign. No group of generals would come together and concoct this plan. In fact, you might say that this plan was ridiculous. You might even say it was ridiculous in the extreme. <clears throat> this plan that God gave them about how to do it, the plan God gave them about how to achieve their impossible was ridiculous. And yet it's the very one that's going to work. And here's the thing for you and I. In order for us to come to the place where we overcome the impossibilities in our lives, we have to learn to submit to the truth of God. We have to learn to simply obey and wait. 
It's not about you achieving it by force of character. It's not about you achieving it by your intelligence, by your energy, by your strength, or by anything else. It's about you coming to the place where you submit to God's word. What would God have you to do? You know, when it came to salvation, it's not just what you did. You're faced with something impossible. You have you a hellbound sinner, and God's heaven, and there's an impossibility between. And how was the impossible gap bridged? By faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He bridged your impossibility. He fixed your impossibility. He put you in a place where the impossible was achieved in your life. And everything in your life that's spiritual is achieved the same way. It's not achieved by you making it happen. It's not achieved by you making a great plan. It's achieved by you following the plans of a great God. By you doing what he would have you to do. Now, you know what? I understand that you and I uh, miss a lot of what God is doing. But I am absolutely certain that our God is able to speak to and communicate to all his children in such a way that we actually know what he wants us to do. Now, we may balk at it. God may tell us what he wants us to do, and we say, no, that would never work. That's, no, I couldn't do That's ridiculous. I, I'd look a fool. Uh, if that didn't work, I'd, I'd fall apart. We may balk at it, but it's amazing how often we know exactly what God wants us to do. He's amazingly able to, com- over commu- to communicate to us over our failure to hear and understand and tell us exactly what he wants you to do. So that if we were to go around the room today and ask you, is there a possibility in your life? You'd probably say, yeah, there is. What does God want you to do about it? Well, and you know what it is. You know what God wants you, but it just doesn't appeal to you for some reason or other. See, Israel could have come to God and said, okay, uh, we need to take Jericho. We understand that. We're not going to be like our parents and back off in faith. We're going on. Uh, we're going to do all that you want us to do. And God is going to tell them how to do it. And they, they would have said, have you not got another plan than that? Have you not got something more realistic than that? They could easily have done that. I think we do that, don't we? God tells us what he wants us to do. And we say, well, that's ridiculous. Give us a different way of doing it. And you know what? You're never going to get a better plan than the plan God has. Let me give you some of the elements of the plan. Okay, you're to march around the town once a day for six days. Uh, You're to march with the Ark of the Covenant. You're to put seven priests in front of the Ark. On the seventh day, march around Jericho seven times. Have the priests blow the ram's horns as they marched. And on the seventh time around, on the seventh day, have the people shout. And when the people shout, the walls will come down. And when the walls come down, enter the city and conquer it. That's a crazy plan, isn't it? That just, that just doesn't make sense. Now, you know, I, I'm sure there were people that said, no, no, listen, let's get some stones together. Let's t- attack the walls. Uh, there were people that said, let's, no, let's do a siege. But God's plan was completely different to anything they had imagined. Joshua, in fact, refined it for them. Uh, he told the people they were to be perfectly silent as they walked around the walls. Uh, he put soldiers in front of the priests and behind the ark, and he had the police... Priests blow the ram's horn continually as they went. So for six days, every morning, everybody gets up early. They all saddle up. They all get their gear on. And they go and they march around the walls. All the time, the priests are blowing their horns. 
And they march around the walls. They get to the other side of the walls. Could have taken them a half an hour. Could have taken them an hour. We don't know how long it took. And then they all went back to their tents. And then the next morning, they all got up and they did exactly the same thing. And all through the week, they did exactly the same thing. Now, now can you imagine this army? They're a fledgling army. They fought a couple of battles by now, but they're a fledgling army. And they're ready to go. They're ready to fight. They're ready to get things moving. All, All the testosterone is going for the guys, and they want to fight. How would you feel? Frustrated in the extreme. Hudson Taylor said this about uh, doing great things for God. He said, there's three stages in doing something for God. He said, there's impossible. Right? <clears throat> that, that, that the walls were impossible. And then he said the next stage was difficult. Don't you think that when God gives you something to do, it would be easy? Could God have brought the walls down on the first day? Yeah. He could easily have done that. You know, God could have made it easy for them. God could have made it so, so there was no stretch of faith in it. But God's always more involved in the stretch of faith than he is in what he actually wants to accomplish in your life. And so he has them go around the wall. So, you know, three days in, you, you, don't, you, don't you wonder what the poor people of Jericho were feeling? They're inside these walls and these lunatics are outside. And every morning they march around our city. They're going to take our city. They want to take our city. They've scored victories already. And these are the people who's got open the Red Sea. They're scared. They're kind of wondering, what gives? What's going on? As these people walk around the city and blow the horns. And the army are just chomping at the bit, ready to go, and they do it for six days. Every morning they get up and then they hang around all day. I hate waiting, don't you? I think those would have been long days. I think those would have been real long days. You know, you go back and you sit in your tent and you wait for the morning to come till we walk around the city again. That's not why I want to be out there doing something and making something happen. And so finally they come to the seventh day. And now they walk around the city seven times. Isn't that true? A dreadful way to start a battle. We'll say it was a half an hour walk. Do you know that's three and a half hours of walking before they get to fight? But they're to walk around it seven times. On the seventh day, they walk around it seven times. The priests blow the horn and the walls... The Bible says this. The Bible says that the walls fell flat. Kaboom. They didn't fall out. They didn't fall in. They just kaboomed, went straight down. And they went in and they took the city that was impossible to take. Three stages in doing something for God. There's impossible. There's difficult, Hudson Taylor said, and then there's done. It's done. And it's amazing for us that, you know, if we will but obey God, we can see things done that are impossible to do. But we balk at obeying God, don't we? We draw back. We want a different plan. Um, Let me make a couple of points for you here. First of all, God did not tell them to devise a plan. Now, there were times when they were supposed to devise a plan for what they were going to do. But on this occasion, God said, no, you don't make a plan. I'll make the plan. You don't need to make the plan. So often what we do is we depend upon our own strength and our own wisdom to make a plan to achieve what God would have us achieve. 
and, and we're a little bit worldly wise, so we know how things should go, and we know how things might go if we do this. So, you know, we do a toss-up between a siege and a full frontal assault on a... On a and God says, no, no, no. I don't want you doing what looks the best plan. I want you doing my plan. God wants you to follow his way in doing it. God wants you to do it his way. You know, it is so easy for us to get all caught up in our own plan. They just had to obey and wait. Now, the obeying is tough. The waiting is so hard for us. Isn't it? Isn't it so hard to, 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 to trust God and wait on Him to do it? We start second-guessing God. We start second-guessing ourselves. We start second-guessing the whole situation. And He says, no, I want you to obey and I want you to wait. What area of your life are you supposed to be waiting on God in but you've quit waiting and you've making things happen? And you've got problems because of it, don't you? What area of your life looks absolutely impossible? And you're, you're debating whether you should wait or not. <clears throat> you're debating whether you should go with his plan or not. And by the way, much of his plan is revealed for us straight through the word. And you're saying, no, I can't do that. that, that that's impossible. That's ridiculous. That would never work in this situation. I mean, this is the 21st century. How do you expect something like that to work? It was written in the old days. Listen, it was written by God. And you obey. And trust him. It will work. It always works. His plans are always the best plans. You know, Israel could have attacked those walls and been slaughtered. Or they could have held a siege and they could have broken before the siege broke, before the city broke. But God had a plan that was so much better. And you see, God's plans are big. God was going to do something in that day that was going to show his power on this people that were a slave class. He was going to show his power through them and strike terror in the rest of the land. And the campaign to take Canaan uh, is one of the most amazing campaigns that was ever fought because God fought for them. God led, God did it, and nobody could send him. Pretty rapidly, the people of Canaan got to understand there's nothing we can do against these people. Because their God is able. But you know what? They had to take Jericho, and they had to take Jericho spectacularly to do it. And God enabled them to do it. And you see, here's the problem. You look at your impossible situation, and you just want your impossible situation fixed. You just want it sorted. You just, you just want out of this situation. You, you want to feel better about the thing. Uh, you want it settled and done. And God says, but I've got a much bigger plan than that. I want to take and use your situation to build faith. Dads, listen, <clears throat> who knows, but your children watching in your home are going to be so greatly influenced by what God does in your life because you trust Him by faith that it's going to change their lives too. See, God thinks big. God's plans are always big. Mom, when you trust God and do what God would have you to do, the impact that has on your children, on your family, on those people around you, 
When you trust God and depend upon Him and let Him and do it His way and let faith bring the victory, it's amazing. The impact. You, you and I can't quantify the impact. We don't, we don't know how to. We don't know who it's going to touch or how it's going to affect other people. But when we let God do His thing His way, it's amazing what happens. God was going to bring the walls down all by Himself. Robert Morrison, uh, he's said to be the first missionary that went to China. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> one day the captain of the ship he was sailing on uh, rather disparagingly asked him, what do you think you're going to do, convert China? And Morrison very wisely answered, I don't think I'll ever convert China. I think God will. Uh, <clears throat> that's the same faith that brought down the walls of Jericho. That's the same faith that achieves things in our day and age. That's the same faith that achieves things in your home. When we come to the place where we recognize, I can't. I was never expecting to. That was never the plan, but he can. I'm just going to do what he tells me to do. What about your wall? Has God told you how to move forward? Has God shown you what he wants you to do? But you've drawn back a bit because you think that's a silly plan. Listen, do it. Do it and see what God is going to do. And then there's the triumph of faith. God brings the walls down. They go in, they take the city, and they are on their way to making a new land theirs. You see, God has so ordered the moral universe that he responds to our faith when it is actually put to work. God responds to our faith. It's, 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 a, it's fascinating. Could God have taken the walls down without any trumpets and without any armies marching around it? Well, of course he could. He's God. He can do anything. Could, could God have said to Jericho, by the way, listen, you, you guys just head on in because I'm going to take the walls when you're going on your way over there. Of course he could. But he wanted them to trust him. Now, what do you think their faith in God was like as far as the walls are coming down? These, these army that are trudging around the walls once a day for seven days. Did the walls look any weaker on the sixth day than they did on the first day? As far as they were concerned, nothing was happening. I think, you know what, I think if I was there, I'd have been, I'd have been trying to trust, but I'd have been thinking, but man, those walls still look as big, they still look as high, they still look just as uh, impossible as they did the first day. You know, and on, the, and on the sixth time they walked around, on the seventh day, did the walls look any weaker? Do you think they noticed a big crack coming down one side of it? They didn't. They didn't. It wasn't until the seventh time the trumpets blew, they shouted, and the walls just instantly went kaboom. They came down. Why? Because God wanted them to express faith. Now, I, I, I'll grant you, I, I think their faith was probably faltering at times. To be honest with you, I think our faith probably always is a bit faltering, isn't it? Uh, somebody said this, I read this this week, and you know, it really kind of uh, caught my attention. Uh, definition of faith is faith plus unbelief plus acting on the faith part. Right? So here's faith. Faith is, yeah, I believe. God, I believe you can do it. But what if you don't? 
Oh, it could be a disaster. But Lord, I believe you. But I'm going to do it, what you told me to do anyway, even though I'm not 100% because you told me to do it, I'm going to do it. It's acting on the faith part. You see, here's what we do. We wait till we're 100% certain that it's going to work. They weren't 100% certain it was going to work till the walls actually collapsed on the seventh time of the seventh day. You know what? If you wait to be 100% certain, that's not actually faith. That's dithering. And you can dither forever and never actually achieve anything for God because God wants you to trust Him. And trusting Him is going to be you saying, okay, God's told me to do this. It looks impossible to me. I don't feel like it can happen. There's no cracks in the wall. Nothing looks good to me. But you know what? God said, do it. I'm going to do it anyway. And you step out there falteringly if you like, but you step out there and you do what God would have you to do. And it's amazing how God responds to that kind of faith. Something God's telling you to do in your life? Something God wants you to do in your life? Something you, you, you're pretty sure this is what God wants me to do. But you're thinking, but I'm not 100% certain. Step out in faith and do it, and God will meet you. It's amazing how God meets us in it. Take a step forward. Release God to do His work. You know, Psalm 78, verse 41. Let's talk about the the first generation of Israelites, right? And how they wouldn't go into the land. And verse 41 of Psalm 78 says this, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Do you know how to limit God? Turn back. Don't step forward in faith. That's how you limit God. God's got a plan to bring walls down in your life, to fix things in your life, to change things in your life, to turn things around and to use you as part of what he's going to do. And he wants you to trust him and to step out in faith. And you're human. You're like the man... who came to Jesus looking for his son to be healed. And, 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 and Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible. And the poor man was honest with Jesus. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Lord, I believe. Yes, I trust you. But oh, man, would you? And there's another side of me that goes against it completely. And you know what Jesus didn't say? Sorry. You didn't reach the target. You know what Jesus did? He healed his son. If you will step out in faith and trust God to be God in your situation and do what he has told you to do, you'll be amazed at what he can do in your situation. And if you won't, you limit him. You tie his hands behind his back so that he can't do what he wants to do in your life. You see... Without faith, we can't please God. Without faith, it's impossible. He wants you to trust Him. Oh, there are those glorious moments when you rise up and you're full sure and you just step out there in full confidence. And there are those other moments when you say, oh, this could be a disaster. But He wants me to do it and I'm doing it anyway. But when you step out in faith, you release God to work in your situation.
You release God to take and do in your life and in your situation. So, so the question for us is, <clears throat> what are you going to do with what God has shown you to do? What are you going to do with, God, with what you know God has told you to do? And, and by the way, you know, it doesn't need to be a letter from heaven or an email or a text or anything else. When God shows you what he wants you to do, he communicates spirit to spirit and lets you know. And you and I both know. Where we get uncertain is we dither. We go back and forth and back and forth and we look at the situation and we go out and have a look at the walls. And oh, you couldn't take those down. But God said, take the walls. Oh, but there's no way those, there's not even a crack. I've checked the whole thing out. There's not even a crack in those walls. There's no way they're coming down. And we persuade ourselves not to trust. And what we need to do is say, yeah, okay, that's what he told me to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out there and I'm going to do it. And when we step out there and do it, God meets us. He is pleased and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Why don't you step out in faith today? Why don't you honor God by trusting him and release him to work in your life and do what you know you can't do, but he is able to do. That's time for prayer. Father in heaven, would you work in our hearts and lives now, Lord? Deal with us, we pray, Lord. There are decisions that need to be made, Lord, and not just decisions made, but things put into action. Would you help your people? Would you work in hearts and lives and do that which you've uh, bring to fruit, Lord, that which you have purposed for us in your precious name? Why don't you take a moment and just cry out to God? If you need to be saved today, this would be a great time to get saved. Cry out to him. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. Cry out to him to save you. Uh, If God has called you to service in some way, this would be a great time for you to say yes and let somebody know. If there's sin in your life that you need to deal with, listen, trust him. You'd be amazed at what God can do if you will just say, yes, Lord, I'm going to trust you and you're going to obey and you step out and do it. You'd be amazed at what God will do. As the piano plays, you do business with God.